0: Last Wednesday, October 17, was a new day in Canada. Thousands were celebrating because on that day, Canada's social experiment with legalized cannabis began. I can't go into all the pros and cons of legalization. Maybe some of our listeners in Colorado or Oregon or other places can send in your experienced thoughts. But I can say that legalizing something that has been illegal for a long time, like prostitution, does bring up some interesting and important questions. For example, is it sin to consume drugs? Even the is it sin to smoke cigarettes is an interesting question. Could you argue that it is sin to consume alcohol? But the church would never say any of that. The Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops did release a statement on the legalization of marijuana for recreational use, expressing disappointment, citing the various known risks that cannabis poses to human society and human health. The position of the Canadian bishops is shared by Pope Francis, who pointed out at the 31st International Drug Enforcement Conference in Rome in 2014 that the legalization, even partial, of so-called soft drugs does not produce the desired results. That was a quote. The message is that this legalization will only exacerbate problems that are already widespread in society. Smoking pot may not be sin, but may be a gateway to other sinful behavior. It may be legal, but maybe not such a great idea. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Sultanite Hour. Hello and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chen. And Billy Chen is with us here. Emily is still... In Rome. In Rome. Yeah. Having fun. Drinking wine. (laughs) Eating eating gelato. (laughs) No,
1: she told me that she's really working very, very hard. She is working very hard, in
0: fact. And we're going to hopefully be able to connect with her again today. Um, uh, So she can give us an update... Uh, she is supposed to be addressing the bishops. Oh wow! Um, so hopefully she can tell us a little bit about how that uh, went, or if it's going to happen, or what's going to ha- happen there. Um, so that's Emily Callan in uh, in a little bit, um, and Billy uh, Sister Marie Paul Curley will be in with us today. Mm. She is going to be talking about a Steven Spielberg film. What is it that you might like? Because you like. Are you a video game? Do you play uh, video games? A little bit. Red- Ready Player <laughs> One. What is that? Ready Player One. It's a movie you should go watch. Okay, okay, okay stay okay. and listen to Sister Marie Paul Curley. <laughs> talk about this film. It's it's supposed to be a really good film. I haven't seen it. but It's I, about I video to. games. It's about... It actually takes place inside a video game. Wow. Mostly inside a video game, yeah. Ready Player One. So that's with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Uh, Coming up after... It's me. No, you're after what? Sister Marie Paul Curley. That's okay. after Emily. And then Church for Dummies. And you want to talk about... I don't know what you want to talk about.
1: I want to talk about um, Common... Um, question that everyone wants to ask but do not have the guts to ask.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> and I'm going to ask you. But not now. Uh, 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 not now.
0: Okay, so um, uh, Emily. Emily. Billy, Billy has a, uh, a, a question that he doesn't have the gut to ask. No, he's no, most of anyone. the
1: people do not want to, okay. to ask. All
0: right, but. so that's coming up in, yep. in about, I don't know, 10 minutes, uh, 15 minutes with Billy a question and then Billy what do you think about vampires do you think they exist
1: you know what i don't think they can exist <laughs> exactly okay no. i don't i don't think so no but i know that there is a kind of insurance selling
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, uh this is very interesting uh, it's very like side topic and they the company is selling if you got bite by a vampire we uh-huh. will pay you, you back
0: <laughs> really <laughs> yes so I should yeah. call them? <laughs> anyway. You, there are people
1: buying that. So
0: you're pretty sure that the vampires don't exist? What if I told you that there was a priest?
1: What? Who really?
0: his job is to hunt vampires. No way. A vampire slayer priest.
1: No way. No, what, what kind of vampire are you talking about? What is the definition no, of vampire no, no, are you talking okay, about? No, I'm actually pulling you your leg. Like because,
0: because, no, this is actually a novel. Okay. It's fiction. It's not real life. Um. <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a new you novel. Uh, you know, I it's a new novel, it's called A Bloody Habit. Um and it's about a vampire slaying Dominican friar. It's interesting, it's very good. It's it's uh yeah.
1: You know, I am a fan of zombie. So But I mean, they don't exist either. They don't exist exist, but I like you know to watch those Those Zombie
0: movies? Werewolves? No? Just zombies? Werewolf?
1: I like to play the game Werewolf. Okay, You know, there's a game called Werewolf? No, I don't know
0: because I don't play video games. No, board games. (laughs) Oh, it's a board game. (laughs) It's a board game. (laughs) Okay, very good. Anyway, so we thought Halloween's coming up eventually at some point. And so we can talk about vampires. So in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Eleanor Borg Nicholson. She's the author of this book, A Bloody Habit, about a Dominican priest who is a vampire slayer. So, um, it's it's a good kind of thriller it's th- novel.
1: He's a he's a good topic though. It's I, a good topic. I, I, I really want to listen now. It is. I'm going to ask yeah. her all
0: about because the church maybe has something to say about vampires, and you know. And
1: he didn't say anything about zombie.
0: No, she didn't say anything about zombie. But I'm going to ask her maybe yeah. and see maybe she can write a novel for you about about <laughs> Catholic, <laughs> Catholic zombies. I'll
2: be the first reader.
1: Yes, yeah, okay, the book.
0: about praying for the undead <laughs> <laughs> for Halloween. Anyway, so that's in about 20 minutes. Eleanor Borg Nicholson is going to be here to tell us about her novel, A Bloody Habit, published by Ignatius. And then at the end of the program, we're going to be reconnecting with singer-songwriter Lorraine Hess. She has an, an album. It's actually not that new. It's about almost a year old, called Glorify Him. Um, and this last year... Lorraine uh, suffered... uh, I mean, the whole year has been full of family tragedies, and she wants to tell us about this beautiful time of spiritual refinement Mm. that sort of was all happening at the time that she was putting out this album. So that's in about 40 minutes at the end of the program, so I hope that you can stick around. So, Billy, why don't we start with a song? As always. As always, from that album, Glorify Me. Here is Lorraine Hess with Worthy is the Lamb from her album, Glorify Me. That was Lorraine Hess with Worthy is the Lamb from her album, Glorify Him, and we're going to be speaking with Lorraine Hess at the end of the program in about five minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first, on the line from Rome, here is Emily. Emily, welcome.
3: Hi, Pedro.
0: So you're exhausted. You're emotionally just drained. (laughs) Week three of the Synod, what's, what's been going on in Rome?
3: Um, yeah, can you imagine someone complaining in Rome that they get to spend this much time in Rome? I mean, no. really, I really shouldn't be complaining. Yeah, don't. Um, I, but um, you know, it's been two and a half weeks, so um, there's still about two and a half weeks. Two weeks, two weeks left now to the synod. Right. Um, so it's not that I'm looking to the end and looking forward to the end of the synod. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes, ha- what happens for sure. But right. so yeah, we've, we're now two and a half weeks in. Um, lots has happened already. Be, we've been listening to tons and tons and tons of interventions by synod fathers and auditors. Mm-hmm. This week we're on part three, which focuses more on the concrete uh, proposals that um, that are being made to kind of address some of the issues that were brought up in the last couple weeks, you know, uh-huh. uh, especially when we talk about accompaniment and discernment initiatives that attract young people, that kind of thing. So um, today, in fact, we got to hear from Julian Paparella, who's one of our Canadian delegates right.
2: um,
3: and also associated to Salt and Light TV. So yes. he, um, he spoke today and uh, he spoke about witness. Um, It's something that's been coming up a lot, the need for coherent and authentic witnesses, and he says, um, you know, it's not enough to just talk about our faith, because without, um, if we talk about our faith, but our witness, as. Catholics um, is not coherent with the message that we're proclaiming, then um, we just lose people like that. Mm -hmm. And he gave an example of someone uh, in his family, you know, who's not a practicing Catholic and that uh, he had Anyways, what, approached a priest about something and um, felt really rejected after that. Right. So uh, it just didn't help the situation. It was an opportunity where this person was, you know, returned to the church in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and instead of being welcoming and, and open to where that person was at and... and um, and just accepting him for, for that, for where he was at, um, then um, he did, that didn't happen, and so, and so, you know, got turned away again. So he was saying, you know, we need to just take people where they're at and accept them for who they are, um, and not necessarily have these expectations on them when they, when they already, when they come to the Church. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we walk with them, he says, and, you know, we speak, we're able to get to know them and speak into their lives, in a more real way and in a more loving way, because we'll get to know them, and that's what's going to lead them cro- closer to Christ.
0: Right. that's great. Exactly. So that's,
3: that's what his message was.
0: That, so that was Julian Paparella. He's a Canadian auditor, just like you. Um, mm-hmm. what what sorts of things I know so you said you're already d- discussing the part three of the instrumental labores. what how does the final document get written? Is that all happening? like has it been happening throughout or is it all just happening next week?
3: So there is a a commission that's been put together, and actually uh, the Synod fathers were able to vote for who they wanted on the writing committee, or on the the writing commission. So they've actually already started working uh, in collaboration with the experts um, who are translating these documents, um, kind of putting together the main ideas. That are that are in the reports and in the in the modi. So the modifications yeah. that were made in the small groups yeah. are given to the experts as well, and so they can um, kind of put all that together, take out the main points, and then um, help the the commission start writing this final uh, this final report. Right. So they've already apparently started working on part one. So um, I'm not sure where they're at with Part 2. Part 3, obviously, they haven't started that because we're not even done with our small groups yet. We haven't Mm -hmm. even started them. So until that's when they won't get to Part 3.
0: And that report... So they're
3: kind of working on it in pieces. Uh And uh, next week, at some point, I can't remember what day, uh, but we're going to be able to hear... Okay kind of the first
0: draft. And do you get to vote on that? Well, you might not get to vote, but the bishops no, get to vote? No, so
3: only the Synod Fathers vote on it. And
0: but yeah. it, So that will happen during the Synod. So at the end of the Synod, there will be some sort of report that the Synod Fathers have voted on. Yes. And that report it will be public or not public?
3: The final report should be public. Normally, I know in the past two Synods, yeah. the final report was
0: public. Yeah, they keep
3: uh, was changing made public, so Yeah. There's a chance it will be. They yeah. haven't said that necessarily, but there is a chance it will be.
0: Okay, good. We're going to leave it there, Emily. Um no Thank problem. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll try to You're speak welcome. again next week and, and have fun. And we're, mm-hmm, we're yes. looking forward to hearing about your intervention when it happens.
3: Yes. Thank you, Pedro.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Emily Callen from Rome with her report on the Synod. You can follow her at Emmy Callen.
4: Hey, this is Ali Aliya, musician and speaker, and you're listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: My name is Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour is now available on your Google Play store. Subscribe and take the show with you wherever you go. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to The Salt and Light Hour.
4: Oh, it's great to be back, Deacon Pedro. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Did you have a good summer?
4: I did. I did. Very Lovely. full and busy, but awesome. Lots <laughs> of
0: movies. You watched lots of movies.
4: I, you know what? I never get to watch as many movies as I want, but I did watch a lot of good ones. <laughs> good, um,
0: good. And you're going to tell us about one of
4: them. I am. Um, Ready Player One. Oh. Uh, the it's kind of a classic throwback Steven Spielberg film back to his early days in terms yeah. of entertainment value. It's all about the video gaming world. Do you do you play video
0: games? No, at all? couldn't care less about video uh, games.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, neither do I. But no. I have to say, for a movie that takes place a great chunk of the time in the video world, uh-huh. the virtual reality world, um, it is extremely understandable. It's also great for anybody who is familiar with the '80s, okay, because he has so many cultural references. Oh, it good. Is just it's an incredibly fun and entertaining movie. So, oh, okay. th- th- first of all, Ready Player One is great entertainment. Uh-huh. It's, it's great. And uh, it, it really takes you into this dazzling video rea- virtual reality world uh, based very much on video games. But instead of being one video game, it's like a whole world or universe uh-huh. of all kinds of different virtual reality experiences to the point that the people who have, it's a very dystopian future in 2045, uh, the people in the, in the film spend most of their time online, and they earn a living online, or they lose their living online. I mean, it's quite, okay. it's quite impressive how much time they're spending online. So the story really centers around a young man named Wade Watts, who, like everyone else, spends much of his time in this incredibly dazzling virtual world mm-hmm. called, called Oasis, where he has a gamer name, Parzival, and he's one of the leading uh, participants there. And the creator of Oasis, this virtual world that is so dazzlingly beautiful, has recently died, and he has left in his virtual world three Easter eggs, which is, who knew this? It's a gaming, a gamer's reference to an Easter egg hunt. What it means is he left three hidden clues, three hidden Easter eggs, um, hidden messages, in the game, that if people find it, the first person who finds them all will become the new owner of wow. Oasis, of this incredible virtual reality world.
0: Right, so it's the golden and, ticket. Yeah.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what? So it's it's the story about the hunt for that, and especially this young man's journey hunting for that. So. First of all, the virtual reality world itself is dazzling and beautiful and very appealing and if if we lived in a trailer park that was basically stacks of trailers on top of each other and mm-hmm. really not much else, we might be tempted to spend all our time there as well. Mm-hmm. What what and it, so the, there's a car chase that's unbelievable. There are like the special effects here are brilliant. But what makes this film stand out? For me, was the seamless way that Spielberg um, kind of connects the virtual world with the real world. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that he puts a huge emphasis on uh, this young man's growth or his online relationships becoming real in his everyday life. Hmm. So that teamwork and working together becomes kind of the how that this young man and his group of very unusual friends, how they. Uh, work towards basically saving this virtual world because it b- becomes not just about winning but also about saving the virtual world right. itself and keeping society free from a a form of slavery, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I like it in terms of a windows to the soul, like a deeper message is that, it's not entirely clear about how much time to spend in virtual reality, and probably it shouldn't be as a movie created by one of the greatest entertainment leaders of all time.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, but it does raise questions about how much time to spend there, and what's the connection between your real identity and your virtual identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's somewhat cautionary, but also a bit contradictory in terms of what it's kind of advocating for. But I will say this, I think it's a great launching point to discuss with young people about how much time we spend with the media right, and how connected we should be and, and kind of unpacking some of those questions because, um, as you and I are very aware of, Pedro, uh, that people today, uh, you know, our society technologically is so far advanced, but our ethics right. and, uh, and what we know is best for the human person, we're not quite there yet in terms of keeping up with technology. So this this is a good film to start unpacking it.
0: Good, good. And I guess over the next decades, we're going to be still figuring that out. Um, I haven't watched it, but I was looking forward to watching it in the theaters. I guess I've missed that opportunity. The film is on demand now, I believe. And uh, so people can watch it. Ready Player One for the whole family?
4: Pretty much. It does have some pretty intense action scenes, but other than that, it's, it's, it's really a family film.
0: All right. Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg film. Thank you, Sister Marie Paul Curley.
4: Always good uh, being with you all on uh, the Salt and Light Radio Hour, Deacon Pedro. Thank
0: yeah, you. Yes. Sister Marie Paul Curley, she's with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windows to the and also follow her at Sister M Paul.
4: Hi, everyone. I'm Corey Marie, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: You can listen to this program again at slash radio or download the podcast off iTunes or Google Play. And now it's time for
1: Church for Dummies with Billy
0: Chan. Billy has a question that people are scared to ask.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are scared to ask because this it's is about vampires. No, it's no, it's not about vampires. <laughs> okay, it's about um, uh, uh, it's about a lot because of there's a lot of priests actually doing this as well. I want to talk about smoking.
0: About smoking. smoking. Okay.
1: Okay. I, I can see okay. your face. Okay. No, you, you
0: said a lot of priests <laughs> are doing this, and I thought. Yes,
1: I know. I know some priests doing this, like smoking cigarette. Okay. Okay. So uh, my question is, um, is it, but uh, uh, is is it a sin to smoke?
0: Is it a sin to smoke? Oh, is
1: it okay for Catholic to smoke?
0: Um. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a very good question it's a question I've asked my, well I, I, I sort of threw out that question in my commentary this yeah. morning because I know, you yeah. know well you, you know, know you are, yeah. about legalization uh, of, of uh, marijuana mm-hmm. um, but you're not asking about smoking marijuana you're asking about smoking then it's my follow up question oh that's going to be I want follow up
1: question I want to see I want to listen to what you are going to answer okay first. the
0: church I don't I, I, I'm pretty sure that the church does not say anywhere anything about cigarette smoking yes the church does talk about the temple, the, the body being the yes. temple of the Holy Spirit. And we need to um, protect it. And we need to take care of the temple. Mm-hmm. So you could interpret that to say that if smoking is bad for your health, it's not a good thing to do. But is it sin? You could say the same thing about eating too much sugar or, yes. or whatever, if it's bad for your but body. But thing is this. But is it sin is the question.
1: But getting too much sugar, for example, if I drink one can of pulp. Yeah. And I don't take any sugar the rest of my day. Yes. I think it's still okay. Because it's you know, you still need sugar for your body, yes. but it's not drugs. No,
0: you're right. It's it right. well, no, you're right. If you took a cup of sugar three times a day, yeah. if, I mean maybe I don't know d I don't know. So okay. here's what I'm gonna say. Okay. Sin is whatever gets in the way of your relationship with God. Okay, we can look at sin that way. So you're trying to be as close as possible to God. And if something gets in the way of that relationship, that's what we call sin. Some sin maybe just ruptures the relationship a little bit and you can just send God a quick email and say, I'm sorry, and that's venial sin. Some sin breaks the relationship completely and you can't just repair it with a quick email. You have to actually make an appointment and see him in person and really apologize. And that's mortal sin. Okay. So in that sense, (laughs) okay, in that sense, Mm -hmm. Maybe for you, cigarette smoking is sin, but for me it isn't. Oh, does that make sense?
1: Okay, if, okay. If
0: cigarette smoking is getting in the way of my relationship okay. with my family, mm-hmm. with my wife, and and with God, like if I'm if I'm making the smoking about the smoking, and it's then I think it could be considered sin, but it wouldn't be objectively. It's not sin.
1: Okay. So is it the same thing for marijuana?
0: I would say the same thing for any any drug or, or an alcohol also being a drug. I mean, cigarette smoking is a drug so you, and it's addictive. So um, I would say the same thing. The difference with, with drugs is that it's illegal. <laughs> until, yeah. until this week in Canada, <laughs> um, cannabis is not illegal. So um, I, I would say the same thing. So if... If you are consuming this substance to the point that it's actually getting in the way of your normal functioning, if it's getting in the way of your relationships, then maybe yeah, maybe it is sinful. If it's leading you to sinful behavior, what I say to my commentary, um, and that's what the bishops are are maybe saying. If you're spending too much money on it, like gambling, is gambling Mm -hmm. sin? No, but spending your mortgage money on gambling, oh addiction, uh, you know, is an addiction. Mm -hmm. Are you are you consuming it because you're you have uh, you're you're addicted, then well maybe you're not culpable, but is it sinful? Can it lead to other sinful behavior? So it's a little more complicated. Mm. Um, so objectively, no, it's not sin, but subjectively, and sin is always subjective because there's always someone committing the sin. Um, it, it could be. So he it's what I would to, say.
1: He's better to not doing this because he won't. Be- if that led me to go yes. to the scene, then it, it's
0: better to. It's better that's what I would say, them. but I don't. I don't know, Billy. It's legal <laughs> now, so maybe we can have some pot smoking parties at work. No, no, we can't.
1: <laughs> if anyone has any question. Or yeah. any comment about this, please. Absolutely, it'd be let good. Us I mean, it'd
0: be you, you know you might find father after mass having a smoke in the back. Uh huh. But I doubt I that in lot. Canada you might see father having a a, uh, a, a, a uh. reefer after <laughs> mass in the back. Yeah. So, but it's legal. He can. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Okay. Comments. You. Send your comments at BJOChan at Deacon Pedro, uh, Billy Chan, uh, our Church for Dummies <laughs> expert over here. Um, he's also our webmaster uh, behind TV.org. you can follow him at B. Joe Chan. coming up in our second half hour priests hunting for vampires, and spiritual refinement with Lorraine Hess. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour part 2, I'm Deacon Pedro. When I heard that there was a new Catholic Gothic vampire novel, I had to get my hands on it. A vampire hunting priest? My excuse was that I needed good summer reading, but in reality I was truly intrigued. Travel back to London in the year 1900, the novel Dracula has just been published, when a series of strange murders begin to take place. Before we even know what's going on, our protagonist, the lawyer, John Kemp, finds himself entangled with an eccentric Dominican priest that challenges everything he ever believed about faith, about vampires, and about papists. (laughs) Sounds intriguing, right? Well, to tell us all about it, I'm now joined by the author of A Bloody Habit, Eleanor Borg Nicholson. Eleanor, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
5: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So... Um, I don't know if you would consider yourself a Catholic author. I mean, you are you're formerly were the executive director of Catholic literary magazine, um, Dappled Things. You're also the associate editor of the St. Austin Review. Um, I, those are Catholic publications, so I guess that's Catholic writing. But other than being a good thriller, what made you want to write about vampires?
5: Well, I've been really preoccupied with the novel Dracula ever since I read it. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Nearly twenty years ago. Uh-huh. So, um, and my background, academic background, was the study of English literature, and I specialized in anti-Catholicism of the British Victorian period, okay. which means I read a lot of Gothic novels. Okay. Um, and I love Gothic novels, the old-fashioned style. Um, uh-huh. And so, I—it's something that I've worked on for many, many years, on and off. And the story just sort of came to me, and then I had—I had to write it.
0: So, what is your what? Why why are you fascinated? You said you were fascinated by Dracula or by vampires, or both. Well,
5: by 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 the way that the Gothic genre arose, leading to something like Dracula, uh-huh. because mostly um, the very anti-Catholic English tradition, mm-hmm. literary tradition, uh, they they don't portray Catholicism well, but to convey the the gothic you you need those tools you need all the accessories and the catholic characters right um and by the time you get to dracula bram stoker who was not catholic but was his wife did convert to catholicism but he was not catholic he was very he was able to use the catholic uh, smells and bells and whistles and characters in a very uh uh, uninhibited way right he wasn't all uh caught up in the anti-Catholicism of the Brits. He was an Irishman Uh He was much more comfortable Uh in appropriating Catholic themes. He made a lot of mistakes about the Catholics, but it just ended up enhancing his story because Uh of his enthusiastic... uh, Right appropriation of all the Catholic imagery
0: no and I, and I get I guess I understand why the Catholic uh, culture maybe can needs to be part of that because of the time period but I mean your vampire hunter if I can call him that could have been it could have been anyone but why Dominican friars
5: well that was partly uh, a theory and partly a nightmare um, uh-huh. her, the theory was that um, I figured that if you really wanted somebody who was good at killing vampires or battling the preternatural in general, it would have to be somebody who is so deeply united to the supernatural that the preternatural doesn't really alarm him at all. Okay. And why not a very matter-of-fact Dominican priest? Yeah, he was. So I, I played with the idea, and then many, many years ago when I was on a retreat, a working retreat, staying with some nuns, um, I saw a Dominican friar friend of mine, and he recommended that I take a nap while I was on retreat. Well, I'm trying to be obedient, so I the next day went to take a nap. Yeah. And during my nap, I had a nightmare about the first chapter of my novel. Woke up and wrote it, and it took me seven years to finish it. But that's where it began. Wow. That nightmare.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um, in the book, I was fascinated by a lot of the information that you pull about. You know, I mean, this this character, the Dominican priest, has a lot of knowledge about the supernatural, as you mentioned, and about vampires and werewolves and other creatures. Um, did you find research about, you know, the Catholic Church or what the Catholic Church would have said about the existence or not existence of supernatural creatures like vampires?
5: Well, there were a lot of texts written and uh, guidebooks written over several centuries on preternatural. But the most significant, um, in Catholic terms, uh, Pope Benedict XIV actually published, he was writing a papal document on the proper treatment of the bodies of saints,
2: Uh and he has a
5: chapter that's about the proper treatment of bodies believed to be vampiric, where he was responding to a frantic uh, vampire hysteria craze that was sweeping across mostly Eastern Europe, and he was telling uh, you know saying you know stop digging up bodies and staking them stop <laughs> you are you're, you're assaulting the graves stop so right that's where i created the start of my history saying well uh-huh. then he turned around and actually uh, gave faculties to the dominicans uh, to battle this right. but it was there, there's actually a papal document with a chapter with the word vampire in its title
0: Okay, and I keep using the word supernatural, and you keep using the word preternatural. Can you tell us what that means?
5: The preternatural—so if if you think—supernatural referring to God, but the preternatural still has a basis in the physical world. It it basically encompasses all of the things that are breaking some of the natural rules or going outside the natural rules. That's where you'd find ghosts, vampires, to an extent werewolves, but I'm I'm not entirely convinced of where they fit into this. Okay. Um, Anything that goes bump in the night.
0: Well, we had my, he's not exactly co-host, but he does a segment for the show. Billy Chan wanted to know, wanted me to ask you about zombies. So where do would they be preternatural? Supernatural? It
5: depends depends on your definition of zombie. Because the uh, more ancient folklore understanding of the zombie is that it is an undead creature that is somehow under the power of a sorcerer. Nowadays, a lot of the zombies that you see are virus created zombies uh-huh, or something like right. that. So it's, yeah. it's a different. That's a different. That's a different category. Right. right? If you're looking at the old fashioned zombie, yeah, we're talking about the creator natural again.
0: Interesting. Now, where the I'm also uh, did you find that there are? I mean, the whole. I mean, I don't know the the lore about vampires. Would that have? Would that be have been rooted in some Catholic beliefs about drinking blood, for example?
5: There was, there was a heavy influence um, in, uh, for Catholicism, but uh, the myths about the vampire
2: mm-hmm.
5: in various manifestations go back to antiquity. But, the, but Catholicism and, you know, Christ giving himself mm-hmm. and his body and blood, that was, I mean, a stumbling block for the Jews who felt like it was some sort of yeah. dark blood drinking yeah, ritual. Of course. So, so there was a concern about that. Um, and it would have influenced, especially as you reach the point of, say, the Reformation, and which actually, ironically, after the Reformation and after the so-called Age of Enlightenment, is when you had the waves of modern vampire hysteria across across Europe.
0: Right? Would you say? So, yes,
5: I think. Sorry. I think Catholicism would have. In- yeah. I'm sorry. Catholicism would have intensified that.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, would you say that there's. Story is ultimately about evil and about sin.
5: Actually, I would say uh, the opposite. I think, and I should admit that if I write the story as it comes to me and do all the research, and then at yeah. the end turned around and say, "Wow, what was that story about?" Yeah, I think it's about goodness, and I think uh-huh. it's about hope—hope hope in the face of horror. Um, because when—and this is one of the reasons I love the gothic genre. When you're talking about blood-drinking assaults on London, it, you've already so challenged your reader to suspend disbelief yeah. that you can now talk about themes like life and death and damnation and salvation without getting right. cheesy or preachy. Yeah. But in the end, I think it's about goodness.
0: Okay, that's help. Uh, yeah, it is good. So that's a bloody habit. You can get it uh, published by Ignatius Press, Eleanor Borg Nicholson. Thank you so much for, for, I guess it must have been fun writing the book, and it was fun reading it, and and thank you for, for sharing a little bit about what you do with us today.
5: Thank you so much. It was a blast, and I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: Eleanor Borg-Nicholson is the associate editor for the Austin, the St. Austin Review. She's also editor of several Ignatius Critical Editions volumes, including the Critical Edition of Dracula. She's the author of The Letters of Magdalene Montague, available through Kaufman Publishing. And her latest novel, A Bloody Habit, is published by Ignatius Press. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Lorraine Hess, with Wear the Crown from her new album, Glorify Him. That was Lorraine Hess with Wear the Crown from her album, Glorify Him. We first met Lorraine Hess in 2015 when she told us about her album, As I Pray. Since then, her life has taken a few turns, including a house fire. Needless to say that this last year has been a test of faith, and her latest album, Glorify Him, has been a call to do exactly that, to glorify Him through all these trials. To tell us more about those songs, about coming out of the ashes, and about that beautiful time of spiritual refinement, I'm now joined by Lorraine Hess. Lorraine, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour.
6: Thank you, Deacon. How are you?
0: I'm very good. It's so good to hear your voice, and and I love the new music. Um, Your last album, so I guess your last album, when we last spoke, As I Pray, was, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really a companion to prayer. It was about mercy and trust and surrender. What would you say this album, Glorify Him, is about?
6: Well, this one was, uh, all the writing that I did for this album was very positive. It was all about the glory of God, the greatness of God, the awesomeness of God. Um, Be still and know that He is God and we are not. And all creatures of our God and King praise Him. And I wanted it to just kind of be, to pair with the As I Pray album from 2015. So one was contemplative with Mercy, Trust, and Surrender. And this was going to be all positive. Because it was just a time when I was writing where our country, and still today, is just Right. So focused on the negative that I mm-hmm. just wanted something exciting to sing, um, and it's all liturgical. So we do a lot of this at Mass too. It's, okay,
0: I was going to ask you.
6: Very positive.
0: So yeah. these are all songs. I mean, clearly the the last song of the album, "Glorify Him by Your Life," is clearly a dismissal yes. song. So I mean, it's a- but all the other songs can also be done in liturgy. That it has a liturgical. Yes, purpose. they can. And you
6: right. In fact, one of the. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No,
0: I was going to say, and you you've you've making you've made the sheet music available as well, right?
6: Correct. Okay. Oh, now, not every single one has been scored out to this date, but most of them have, and um, okay. we've been using them a lot at Mass. Yeah.
0: Um So glorify Him. I mean, clearly, it's about praise and worship. So would you say that right. it's a it's a it's a praise album?
6: It's. A, I would say it's praise. It's just very positive. Uh-huh. It's, um, it's just about being excited to know, love, and serve God. That God is not so serious. That. You know, God wants us to enjoy our relationship with Him and, and, and our relationship with each other through the body of Christ. And yeah. So, you know, there's one on One Lord, One Faith, which is um, it's a song about using our charisms to serve,
2: mm-hmm. um,
6: but how exciting it is to serve. And, right. You know, Where the Crown, which you talked about, was a, um, a song about the discipleship. We're heirs to the kingdom, which is very exciting, even though the crown is heavy. It's a great place to be, to be a daughter or son of, of, of the King of the Universe, Right. so positive um, mm-hmm. in that respect
0: so the day after the album was released you you had a house fire
6: it was a, w- a week we had a w- uh, okay. I released the album on december 2nd we did a release concert at loyola university here in new orleans and it was all positive i was so excited on fire and then the last than no on saying,
2: fire yeah a few
6: days later we left um i did a retreat in a concert in Cocoa beach florida And right after rehearsal on Saturday, my husband called me and said the house had caught on fire. Wow. And so um, it was a moment of kind of disbelief. Everyone was fine. They had gotten everyone out safely, including my dog. And so I was very thankful, and I was kind of numb. But I decided to stay the course. And so I stayed for the concert. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband picked me up from the airport a couple days later. We went straight to look at 11 different rentals. To live in with our family, um, but it was interesting that I thought this album was going to be all about praising God and kind of being a cheerleader for our faith, and yet it ended up being an opportunity to glorify God in the middle of a tragedy,
0: in the midst of the trial, yeah.
6: Which which is a, which is a higher calling, and I didn't know that that might have been part of the plan mm-hmm. for all of this. Um, but you know, immediately took it to prayer, and one of the first things I. I thought I heard the Lord say to me was, are you going to glorify me now? Huh. And, um, and I said, yes, this is a great opportunity. This is an opportunity to truly be a witness of the faith. You know, we can talk about God, and I do that. I speak at conferences, and I write music, and I do retreats, and I talk about how wonderful God is, but can, can you really show how awesome you think God is unless you are at the bottom? Yeah. And so I people said, what do you want us to pray for? And I said, I, I want two things. I don't need clothes. I don't need a place to live. I, we're going to be fine. But I want to have unity with my husband and all the decisions that we have to make. And mm-hmm. there were so many.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: And I don't want to miss what this is about. And so mm-hmm. I just asked people to just pray for those two things for me. And it really did happen. My husband and I were praying more together. And, going to mass more and our kids were starting to realize what was important and what was not right and what was beautiful about that time of december 9th through mid-january we were trying to find a place to live and we had no place to live we had to move to another place we had to keep our children safe and we mm-hmm. were like living the infancy narrative
2: wow yes during this christmas. yes this
6: season and it was just christmas just took on a new meaning for me and um just opportunities to say yes to all the things that I had I had five events from December ninth to Christmas day mm-hmm. and we and I had an opportunity to, to back out of all of them and I didn't because I'm like no, this is a an opportunity I'll wear the same outfit for all of them <laughs> but uh, i'm gonna I'm gonna do it and it was beautiful to live through similarities
0: of the infancy narrative. Interesting. Wow, what a, what, a, what a blessing in disguise, I guess. One of the songs, mm-hmm. um, Where the Crown, which we actually heard at the beginning of the program, it sounds like, I mean, because one of the lines there says that you'd yeah, gladly take the cross. Um, right. And, and it, we can say that easily when, when we don't have a huge cross to bear. Um, it's not as easy right. when there actually is a cross. But it's only a cross if it leads I, us closer to Christ.
6: Exactly, but you have to you have to ask for it to be that you know you have to mm-hmm. keep your eyes and your heart open so that you don't miss the opportunities that can come from carrying the tr- the cross. And um, I felt like all along the way, God was revealing new things to me and purifying me. And um, and and I remember a friend telling me, "You're going to write your best music from this experience." Yes, because I was also in my graduate semester for graduate school so i had my capstone paper due april of this year all my books were burned i mean it was an uphill climb to finish five years of graduate school i took one class at a time because i had four children it took me forever but i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna finish i'm gonna finish and i'm gonna do it and um yeah and it was just such a victory to um to to go through that time um, with the help and to accept help from people that was a, a huge cross for me to have yeah. to learn to let pe- let people help me um, to to give me uh, their graduate school books from a previous semester so that I could get some of my papers done and to uh, let people mm-hmm. bring us dinner and um,
0: right
2: and
6: clothes and sheets and stuff to help us I wasn't used to that.
0: Yeah, I'm always amazed at how God, I mean, we will never understand why God allows certain things to happen. Um, He knows, but but how he prepares us, and clearly he seemed to have prepared you through that whole putting out of that album and writing all that music beforehand to prepare you through this and then give you that wonderful opportunity to glorify him in the midst of all that. And then, right.
6: and it's changed directions for my writing too. Because yes. now I know, instead of trying to focus on certain certain things, I ask, you know, I just whatever he sends, I just write it down because I don't know if three years from now that's going to be needed for something. Yeah, I just have to be obedient in my writing to whatever is coming to me.
0: Yeah, I guess more open to seeing those his his presence every day, and 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 what little gifts, no gifts or signs or calls that he's giving you every day. Um, tell me a little bit about right. the song that you wrote for your son's wedding.
6: Okay, so I wrote um, a song called By Grace. Yeah. And what I wanted, you know, when, when, when they asked me to sing for the wedding at first, I thought they were crazy and uh, because I didn't know if I could get through it. But then I said, no, I, if I'm going to sing for their wedding, which I've been doing since I was 16 years old, yeah. it has to be something special. So I wanted to write something, and I realized I want to write. What is it I want to tell my son in his life? about marriage and mm-hmm. it's really that by the grace of God alone can we get through good times and bad and sickness and health and mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted and I realized how much of my own marriage to my husband and to my parents marriage and my in-law's marriage how much of that influenced this song um, but it was about when you know when by the grace of God then, then in the bad times we see
2: mm-hmm.
6: um, we see God's presence and in the good times we see the face of God that that God is present through all of the things in our marriage, and, and um, mm-hmm. by grace, by God's grace, all will be well, no mm-hmm. matter what it is. And so that's the that's pretty much the text of the refrain is, by grace, all will be well.
0: Yeah, that's good. And
6: so um, I went, and, and they, we were they were very good about not asking me to sing it ahead of time.
0: Yeah. So I shared it oh, with good. them not
6: until the wedding. And, yeah. Um, it well, was a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for that.
0: That is it, is. it is good marriage advice, and it is good advice for someone whose house burns down, too. <laughs>
2: right.
6: right. <laughs> and that's something that, you know, yeah. and I, my husband and I, were you would have never done. we have learned so much. Like, why do we have seven cookie sheets? We don't need seven cookie sheets. Right, we right. have to get rid of, We have to purge some of it. Right. We don't need right. all of this stuff. Wow! And we learned that during Hurricane Katrina. But you know, over time, you just become a pack rat again. And before you know, know it,
0: I know it's so easy. Especially when
6: you have a bunch of kids, and you it's pack so easy. things down. And yeah. You see, yeah, it's easy to.
0: Okay, well, great. Um, just before I let you go, then I presume that you're mm-hmm. still. I mean, I know you're still writing because you just told me. So, so yes. p- possibly more music coming down the pipes.
6: No doubt, I'm okay. writing a mass setting right now. Oh, and beautiful! It's so good stuff. Okay, yeah. good. So
0: be sure to let us know, so we can get you back on the program.
6: I will. Thank you so much.
0: Lorraine, so good to talk to you. And again, love the music. Thank you uh, for doing it and and, uh, keep doing it. Thank you. You can learn all about Lorraine Hess by her music through World Library Publications Voices at One at that website, voicesatone.com. Here now is Lorraine Hess with that sending forth song, Glorify Him by Your Life, from her album, Glorify Him. We're listening to Lorraine Hess with Glorify Him by Your Life from her album, Glorify Him. And that will take us to the end of the
1: program. Remember that if you tune in late, you can stream or podcast all our Southern Night Hour programs for free at Saltonitv.org slash radio. That's also
0: where you can learn all about our featured artists and guests.
1: And remember that you can subscribe for the Southern Night Hour podcast on iTunes and also on Google Play.
0: Make sure you log in and write us a nice review so Billy can feel good about himself. (laughs) If you want to reach us, I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. Emily is at Emmy
1: Callan. And I am at B. Joe Chan.
0: Thank you for being with us. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And this has been The The Salt Salt and Light Hour. Hour.